conference that we went to this week, um, I had the privilege to go with two of the high school seniors from Lighthouse Ministry. It's a ministry we have here at the church. It's a small little school, small maybe by numbers compared to other places, but very, very large and big because of the parents and the families that are involved with it, which um, just continue to always pray for Lighthouse Ministry. But two of the seniors graduated, and so we got to go up to Pensacola. That's where they hold the graduation, and uh, it was a special time. Um, continue to pray for them as they go off to uh, Miami-Dade Honors and different places. Uh, we also got to hold this year a homeschool uh, group, and they held their graduation here at the church, and uh, those are different homeschool families. So it was very special this year. Um, you know, last year, the graduates had to see their names scroll on a screen, and it just, just things last year were not the same. Uh, and so... This year is a graduation. Maybe every graduation should be special, especially if it's your kids. Um, but there was something special about this year. So, And the reason I also say that one of the speakers at this conference talked about the book of Daniel. And, um, you know, this was a group of kids, a group of young men that were taken from their parents over to Babylon to go study under Babylon rule, under uh, Babylon teachings. And they were supposed to become part of that culture. And out of all the young men and young people that went there, four of them stood apart from that. You know, and you guys know them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so we think of our young seniors, and they're going to go off now to different places and are they going to be part of that four of the many that come out of the churches that are going to stand there? They're going to be different. Everyone else is going to eat the king's food. And that was one of the things Daniel, he had gained the guard, the person that was in charge to make sure they trained these young men in a different way, to leave their values, to leave the things that they learned. And I give you more information. These parents, so you got the kids here, well, their parents... They would have been alive growing up during the time of King Josiah. And King Josiah is one that came in as king young, but he took away the idols. He brought people back to the worship of God. And so that's how Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego grew up, seeing their families now deciding to do things. We're going to do this God's way, not the way the world does these things. And so that's how they grew up. And Parents, that's our prayer, that when our kids, when they get taken away and they're not next to us, that they're going to be those four that are going to be different. They're not going to be like the rest of the mass that just went along with all the things that Nebuchadnezzar was trying to uh, teach them. And so we have these four, but it's only four. Only four. So I think, man, what did those parents do? You know, how much of the Word of God did they read to their kids? How much did they be an example of the Word of God for their kids. And, uh, you know, one of the th uh, things I wrote down that was said is, man, do we think of this that we have with us, our Bibles, as man's words about God? Or is it God's word about man? And it's a, it's, 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 it can make a world of difference. But this is God's word. It's God's word. And, and if you want to know more about that, that Bible basics class, man, you'll be able to learn there what this book really represents, what this is. And so these families had this strong basis. 
And now their kids are standing up for God. Um, and so in the situations we're in today, how do these things look? Uh, how does what happened to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego affect us? And, and I think it's interesting, Daniel, when he gets thrown in the lion's den... We, well, what, what was he doing? Was he out on the street protesting? You know, maybe he had a bunch of signs. Maybe he, you know, or maybe an officer came by and he's like, oh, you need Jesus. And he threw the sign on his face. I mean, what, what kind of things was Daniel doing to get him thrown in solitary confinement with lions to be really the death penalty? And he wasn't doing any of those things. He wasn't, you know, learning how to um, revolt. He was praying. So many people, we get confused. We wonder, what is God calling me to do today? What kind of big thing? I want to go tackle someone. And he says, well, could you pray? Could you just pray? And that's what got Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Would, would we have gotten thrown in the lion's den if the declaration was given? Would we have, or would we have been safe? Because we weren't praying like Daniel prayed. We were waking up, going about our day. Maybe, you know, something bad happened, something hard, and then we prayed, but no one kind of even noticed. But So one of the things that kept coming out through the teachings is how God is calling us to be these leaders. And so we think a lot of the church has become the preparation of what happens up here. If, if these, you know, the worship and the pastors, if they could work things up enough and, and build it up and get this thing going, the church would be affected and, and really... When you really look at it, first, God doesn't need any of us. It's not has nothing to do with how eloquent the person up here is talking or the worship team performs or the note is hit at the right time and you felt the bass go, and you fell. It's none of those things. It's really the amount of prayer that's happening from the congregation, from you guys. And so that's where church really begins to be church. It's the amount of prayer, and so these guys like Spurgeon, you know, and, and others, you see in, in some of their writings how people were there praying for. It could be the same message. Someone could come up here, read a scripture, and go and sit down, and people began to be saved because it wasn't. It doesn't mean that there's no preparation that happens because we need to honor the Lord with everything he's given us, including the 10 minutes that is almost up for me. But... The prayers of the saints, your prayers. So one of the challenges that kept coming up through the conference was that, was my prayer life. How am I praying? And, and, and for this church to continue for, not just for, it, it's, it's not about getting bigger. It's not about this. It's for your life that when something is required of you, you're going to be able to stand. But we won't survive that. You know, and, and if everyone thinks that what's, what the reprieve, I don't even that's a word, the taking away of the difficulty is going to come through a change nationally or in our country. That all of a sudden things are going to get easier. The price of wood, man, have you tried to build a wooden fence lately? It's going to go down all of a sudden. And that, your hope is in the, is in the wrong thing. It's in the wrong thing. So how will we be ready for whatever comes? Well, let's say that does come. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'll take it. I'm not, I'm not going to go against it. But what if things get harder and worse? And now 
It's either buy a steak or, you know, or, or survive here. And what if? Well, I won't be ready for it. The church, we won't be ready for it unless we learn to really pray. Are we bowing our knees and praying? And that's what the church needs. We need all of you. All of us need to be coming here, not just coming here. But did you pray on your way here? Did you pray, Lord, as we get there today, touch my life, touch the people. Who am I going to sit next to today? Does that person need prayer? As you drive up, do you, sometimes does God give you that ability to see, you just see someone, you say, man, and maybe God gives you a way of praying for them. You know what to pray for without them even telling you. You don't even have to tell them you're praying for them. And that's how the church gets affected. So I know I was challenged in prayer. And um, in Deuteronomy 28, 13, our time is short. You don't have to go there. You could write it down. But there's a scripture there, and, and it was a challenge to us. It's a challenge for us now today, too. And basically, it talks about the blessing of the Lord, how he's going to um, give his blessing, and it's going to rain, and he's going to give his treasures. We're going to be able to lend to many nations. We're not going to borrow. And then he tells them, the Lord will make you, it says, the head and not the tail, you shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of my words, which I command you this day, to the right or to the left. You can go off either way. Interpret that as you wish. To go after other gods and serve them. we got to keep our eyes on what? Our goal is to obey the word of the Lord, to live according to the word of the Lord. And he says there, man, the tail, what's the tail? It gets dragged behind. Are we going to be getting dragged behind? Are we going to always be the ones that go over there and we're going to get dragged behind whatever? Or are we going to be the ones that are leading the fight of prayer, the spiritual battle? Are we going to be the ones that say, man, you know what? I am going to wake up early. I'm not going to be that one that sleeps in today because I'm going to wake up to pray. Our nation needs prayer. Our church needs prayer. Are you going to barely make it to church or are you going to get up excited to say, Lord, may my prayer today, may, may, may you give me who to pray for today. And we come in the church, right? We want to receive. What, what am I going to get? Was he funny today? Was, were the lights, did the AC work? Did, man, am I going to go? Lord, are you going to give me a word that I know who... I can pray and how I can pray today. Prayer. And, you know, we've been challenged as a nation. I mean, one of the things to me bigger than anything is the loneliness, right? The, the, you know, you go to the hospital and, and family can't be with you. And it's hard. It's hard. And it can cause fear and a paraly- you know, to be paralyzed in what we do. Or it could just intensify our prayer life. And that's what I pray it would take me to. That I would pray more. I would pray more for my family. I would pray more for you guys. You guys would be praying more for me. And, uh, and so we need to lead the way in that prayer. When you go to a restaurant, you know, do you, is it, do you feel a little, oh, people are going to look at me as I pray. But do you make it a, a point? I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank the Lord for this meal. And you know what? Um, you go to the supermarket and you see the cashier. I mean, I was, remember going to the banks a couple months ago. And, uh, man, that lady looked like she was having a terrible day. I mean, she was older, she had rashes from the, the mass, and you, I mean, I'm not criticizing any of those things. I think those are all things to distract all of us. Those have none, nothing to do with the real problems which are in the heart. 
but she needed prayer. And so do you go, here's my $20 to deposit. Can I, do you need prayer? But I can't, there's a line. No, no, they could, just two seconds. I could, sure, and then they'll pray. We were at this scene in, uh, I'm one of the chaplains with City of Miami Police, and there was a 16-year-old that was found dead. And the family was devastated. And I remember going to the, we were going to the mom and we asked her, man, can we pray? If that's what you would like, would you like us to pray? She said, no. And then like 10, 15 seconds later, uh, she come back, she says, you know, actually, yes. Can you pray? And, and you never know what situation you're going to find yourself in. You know, a family member, um, our kids, man, they need prayer. They need to be able to be taken by Nebuchadnezzar because that's going to probably happen. They, taken by the world somewhere, college or whoever. But they need to be able to survive on their own. You know, we need to be able to pray for them. And, and it's never too late. When does prayer start? When does it work? It starts now. We could start right now in prayer. So with all that, let me just close in prayer. And then Jerry and George will come up and continue. So Lord, we just come to you thanking you and wanting more, Lord. May we be challenged to pray. Lord, may the effectiveness of Pastor Zach and and the young adults and the youth group and what happens in the children's ministry, right now the teachers teaching our kids, we pray for them, Lord. We pray for the challenges they have. We pray, God, for our law enforcement. Uh, Lord, in the middle of, of, of such an attack, we pray, God, for uh, our schools, God, the teachers that have had just over a year of, of just unheard of challenges. And God, so we pray, pray for the students and we pray for the church. God, we need you. And Lord, may we be men and women who will lead this fight of prayer. And Lord, we would pray. Uh, we thank you, Lord, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jerry. Good morning, family. Please turn to the Gospel of John. Verse, I mean, uh, chapter 16. Um, you know, one of the, the underlying themes in, the, in this conference was trusting the Lord. And, and all these pastors had a very long ministry, um, some of them more than others. And they all shared a testimony of how God came through in every single time that they trusted in him. And it's important to, to think about this because if we are to trust in the Lord, how do we trust the Lord if we haven't um, heard from him? How do we trust the Lord if we don't believe that he is who he is? Um, how do we trust the Lord if we don't believe that the word of God is complete and, and given by him? Um, and, and how do we trust if we don't hear? And so to give a, a really quick recap of some of those testimonies um, one of the pastors shared and he was probably in his 80s now and he shared how he uh, as, as a boy his father was called to, to um, he sensed from the Lord that he was going to plant a church at a small town but they had no money so they moved to that small town and, and then one day uh, his father you know um, received from the Lord that he should go to the grocery store and fill up his, his shopping cart with food and and maybe like he he just thought well the lord is going to like supply my needs you know i'm living by faith but he was so convinced that it was the lord's voice that the lord spoke to him that it was by his holy spirit that he even told his son as a small child son come with me and you're gonna see how real god is 
He was so sure of it. So he took his son and they went to the grocery store and then they filled up the cart with, um, you know, as, with food and, and not having money to pay for it. And all of a sudden a man and a woman drive up to the grocery store and then they see him and then they ask him, what's your name? So he told them, he says, the Lord told me to come here and whoever has their shopping cart full, that that person's gonna be the pastor that's gonna plant a church here in this uh, town. And that church to this day is still open. It was probably like 70 years. And that's just one of the many, like, um, many testimonies. Another testimony he gave as he was young and um, he was going to go out with a friend the next day to a pond. And, and his parents said yes and his mom said yes. But when he woke up in the morning, he was ready to go. But then his mom said, no, you're not going. And then he said, why? Um, and she said, because the Lord told me, you know, through his Holy Spirit that you should not go. So he accepted it, you know, um, grudgingly, but then it turns out that the, uh, the boy that went out on that um, day, um, the pond spilled over to a river and he drowned. And, you know, I just want to share you those things so that, you know, we know by those testimonies, it should inspire us in, in us that, that belief and that trust and that, that hope in the Lord and, and just seeing his truth. But let's not go so far as people that we don't know um, the Lord reminded me this morning, and I just want to share with you guys, even here in our own church, that, you know, you've heard um, Pastor George um, Iglesias talk about how the Lord spoke to him as a youth to be the youth pastor. So he was in a camp, and the Lord spoke to him. And George would want me to say this, that, and, and any, anyone I talk about in this church would want me to say this, that none of the glory should go to the people, that this is just God, but I have to share these testimonies so you see how real God is. And so George, as, as a youth, the Lord spoke to him, gave him a scripture, you're gonna be the youth pastor. You know, as just being a crazy kid as he was, but he just knew that the Lord spoke to him. And, and so the Lord did that work, and he didn't say, what you don't know is that he didn't say a word about it, and he just was faithful and just seeking the Lord, and the Lord continued to move in him and, and grow him, and. And then what you don't know is that the Lord also told Zach independently that George was going to be a youth pastor. And, and I'm telling you this because some of you may have heard this testimony by George and you may have thought, oh yeah, because we tend to reason things out and we say, oh yeah, that wasn't really the Holy Spirit. I mean, George thought this, he told it to Zach as Zach being his youth leader. So Zach, you know, you know groomed him and prepared him for, to be a youth pastor. But I want to share you, I wanted to share that with you so that you see that the Lord is real and moving, that the Holy Spirit is real, that God speaks to us. God spoke to George. God spoke to Zach. God did the work. God blessed um, the, the ministry. Um, even in my life, when I first came, I gave you guys the testimony that I came and I was really, um, you know, far from the Lord and about to get a divorce. And, and Pastor Raz, and again, none of the glory goes to the people. It's the Lord. All he had to do is share a couple things with me. And I had gone to counseling and I had gone to all these things. But all Pastor Raz did is say some truths that through that, those words, it wasn't the words, but it was the spirit through it that gave me a convincing and a change of heart. And uh, one of the things he said is, what has, the God, what has the Lord told you lately, spoken to you lately? And... I realize I'm not anywhere near a place where I can hear from the Lord. There's something wrong with me. So I, I needed to hear that. And, you know, Jesus said, my sheep hear me and they know my voice. 
So, and then we say, and we put it on Instagram, we put it in places, I follow Jesus. But how can you follow Jesus if you have not heard his voice, if you don't know his voice, if you're just, you know, hearing things from other people, but you yourself don't have that relationship. And, and the other thing that, that Pastor Raz shared was you have to come to the realization, to the conclusion, is this the word of God? Everything here is this truth? Is God real? Is, is everything here truth? And if so, then live by it. And I'm here to tell you everything here is real. This is truth. Everything in the word of God. There's nothing that we have to change. There's nothing here that we um, should take out because we think it doesn't apply to us anymore or anything that we should change because it's not convenient. This is truth. And so going to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, we have Jesus himself telling us a promise, telling us truth. In verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now we stop right there. That word convict, a lot of times we use it as like a whipping, you know. And, and that word convict means a revealing that leads us to repentance. It means a, a conviction in the sense of convincing a revealing, a convincing. And, and who's the world that Jesus is talking about? We see in, in verse 9, of sin, because they do not believe in me. So I want us to see that all of us here who have received the, the, the gift of salvation, who have responded to the call um, that Jesus took upon himself the wrath that was due to us and that Jesus rose again to give us new life and to receive that promise and, and gift of salvation. All of us here at one t point in time when we didn't believe, it was the Holy Spirit that convinced us, that convinced us of sin. We just heard a message. It was just the words, but it was the Holy Spirit that convinced us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. It convinced us of judgment because judgment of, of this world is coming and we knew that you know we you go back to the time where you responded to the call to the gifts of salvation you knew that there was something wrong with this world you knew that there was something that 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 you were destined to that was not good you know there's there's an eternity separated from God and of righteousness because Jesus is the righteousness of God so you were convinced by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is God having not seen him you were convinced and of sin, you were convinced that, that there's something wrong with you, that there was sin in your life. So we responded to that, and the Holy Spirit moved in your lives to get to that point. But I want us to see that in verse 12, Jesus goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come, and he will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. God's Holy Spirit is real, 
It's something that we really need. It's a promise from Jesus. And we know that the Holy Spirit, you know, we have God is three in one. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. If you please turn to Acts 19. Starting in the second half of verse 1, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Um, I like how some other translations um, translate that response. It says, it's a little clear to me. And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So then Paul says, and these, into what baptism were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And now the men were about 12 in all. So I want us to see that Paul, led by the Spirit, goes to this place, goes to Ephesus. There were people gathered, so this was a church. The church had received repentance. They believed Jesus was the Messiah, but that's where they stopped. And our lives if we're not walking in that truth of the Spirit, if we're not being filled, if we're not being led by the Spirit, I suggest to you there's something missing in our walk with the Lord. And so much so that when Paul came here, he, he saw that there was something missing um, with these people. And they had only received the repentance. And many of us, that's where we stopped. We received we, received, we, we repented, we received the gift of salvation, and we stopped there. But there's so much more that God wants to do. There, there's so much more that he wants to um, show you and, and work through you in, in our lives. And it's an interesting thing because we see like at the beginning of um, when God's promise was fulfilled in Acts and the Holy Spirit was poured upon the people there in Jerusalem, that there were people that received the Spirit and God did that work. And then there were people that were uh, standing by that saw that and they did not um, comprehend it. So they justified it saying those people are drunk. And man, let us not be those people that we justify things, that we get caught up so much in doctrine or in things or, or disbelief or hardening of heart, hardness of heart, that we just dismiss any talk about the Holy Spirit. What happens with us, I admit and, and I agree, is that we have been jaded in a sense that we've seen that being misused and, and that we've seen so many people that say, God told me this, God told me that. And, uh, and some people do it out of just uh, a, a search for power or a search for, you know, or just trying to gain um, money or whatever it is. And, but they weren't really led by the Lord. And we see that and it, and it creates in us a, a type of skepticism but that is not God's truth. That is not reality. 
God has something more that he wants to pour out on each and every one of us. He has gifts that, that it's spoken about in God's word that he wants us to exercise and live. He wants us to hear his voice. Even there in chapter 19, we see further down um, in verse 8 and 9 that they went to the synagogue. They spoke, they spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. And then in verse 9, but when some were, were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Some of us here, we will receive the Holy Spirit. We will accept, we will respond. But it's interesting that some of us will be hardened and some of us will just think or speak evil of the way of, of the Holy Spirit and just think that that is just wrong or that is not of this time or, or something about it that is not truth. Let us not be those people. Let us be the people that respond. And closing, and, and George will come up soon, please turn to Psalm chapter 27. Psalm 27. And as you're turning, one of the things that, that we see and that, that really struck me with the pastors who are giving their testimonies is that a lot of times what God is saying doesn't make sense or may not make sense in our minds. But if we truly know his voice, if we truly are led by him, he will, he will reveal it and he will, he will show how real he is. In verse 8 of uh, Psalm 27, we read, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face I will seek. This is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we see that, you know, as Zach has been saying in Exodus, how, how uh, Moses experienced, you know, some of the glory of the Lord. But we have such much, so much more than that. And in this inspiration, and in this, this psalmist writing this, was touched by the Holy Spirit because there was a call, there was a voice, there was something that, that he understood and it seek my face. God's not concerned about a face here, but we read that in Colossians 1, 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. This is speaking of Jesus. God is saying, will you seek him? Will you seek me? And how do we re respond? And in verse eight, we see the response is, yes, Lord, your face, you, Jesus, I will seek. And it goes on to read, you know, in verse 11, teach me your way, Lord, and lead me in your smooth path because of my enemies. And in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So as I close and George comes up and, and I'm, you know, Georgia may, may, as the Lord leads, um, have a call for us to respond to him. Let us have our hearts prepared. Let us surrender to him. Let us, let us be softened. Let the spirit move in us and speak to us. Let us have that confidence that this is the word of God. 
And as Pastor Raz told me years ago, and by the Spirit, it changed my life where I totally repented. Do you believe that this is the Word of God? Do you believe that all of this is real? Do you believe that God speaks to His people, to His children today, right now? Do you believe that God does miracles? Do you believe that He is our Heavenly Father? We remember scriptures, you know, we remember uh, our Father who are in heaven. We'll just stop right there in the two words, our Father. Do you believe that? That He is our Father, that He has given us birth, a spiritual birth, that it is real, that it is for today, that the gifts of God are for today. So as I close in prayer, just meditate on that, and I just pray that the Lord touches our lives and convinces us. Lord, we just uh, thank you so much that you don't leave us to ourselves, you don't leave us orphans, but that you have promised so many awesome things. You have promised your word, and we have your word. Your word is real, everything is real, and there's nothing that we can take away or add to it. And Lord, your promise of the Holy Spirit is real as well. You speak to us, Lord. Help us to hear. Help us to understand what is of you and what is not of you. Help us to respond. Fill us with your spirit, with your presence, Lord. We need you. We need all of you because we cannot do anything of ourselves. So help us to see and to receive the best of what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, family, I welcome you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. So five pastors and uh, two servants here from church were able to head on out to Philadelphia. We spent uh, two days in Philadelphia at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. And then we spent three days in Maryland at a pastor's conference. And... Um, you know, this morning we got that text message from Zach, um, and the Lord had put on my heart, man, be ready in season and out of season. And I got that text at 6.30, and I'm like, all right, I have to be ready. So um, as, I, as I think of the, the, the retreat, the conference that we went on, um, I think of the flight up there. And the Lord really put on my heart to think of what the Lord has done in my life. And I welcome you guys to do the same thing. You know, the Lord is good, and the Lord is faithful. And what was on my mind was, man, his goodness, his faithfulness, the things that he had already done, the things that he had already seen me through. So I welcome you this morning to, to keep that in mind, to really maybe take a look back at your life, at the totality of it, of, of what he's already done, of how good he is, of how faithful he is. Maybe you've lost a, a loved one or maybe you've gone through cancer or whatever it may be that, that you've gone through and the Lord's seen you through it. Uh, I, I welcome you to, to realize that God has been there throughout all of it. And that was really on my mind on the way over there. And a verse that came to mind on the plane was 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. And that's a verse that the Lord gave me at a young age, um, like Jerry said, when, when I was in youth group. And that verse says, uh, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, you don't have to turn there, but it says, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. I was like, I could be foolish. And then it says, God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. I'm like, 
It can be pretty weak sometimes. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen, I could be one of those base things. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, as I was thinking about my past, I was thinking about, man, my dad passed away when I was young, and the Lord saw my family and myself through it. And he, he gave me a hope when I felt like I had no hope at a young age. And he did that for me, and then I get to youth camp one year, and I really get serious to the Lord, and he opens up my eyes to this verse, and just to the things that he has for me in the future. And the Lord, he, he's funny, when he shares with us how good he's been to us, how faithful he's been to us, oftentimes it's because he's about to call you to more. And I think that if you're here today, the Lord saw it fit that you would be here today. It's not a coincidence. And the Lord, he's calling you to more. The Lord is calling you to more. So I'm on the plane and I'm like, Lord, yes, you're awesome. Yes, you've done all those things for me. Lord, will you meet me here at this conference? Will you do that? And it's funny, when we purpose to separate time, right? When we purpose to go on the conferences that were up on the, on the board, right? When we purpose to go to the marriage retreat, for the young ones, the, the, the youth retreat. Man, when we take our, our, our kiddos to, to VBS, when we, do, when we do those things, when we purpose to set apart that time, Lord's good. He's faithful. He'll meet us there. And he, he met us there. And that's why we're up here, to share with you what he's done these last couple of days. And my prayer is that you would receive that and you would say, man, I want that same thing. I, I, I want what, what they have. And the good news is, is that the Lord wants you to have it too. So we look there at 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 12 through 15. And in 1 Timothy 1, in verse 12, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus, he came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. See there in verse 12, it says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. One of the commentators, uh, one of the pastors that I, I, I read up on when it comes to this portion of scripture, it's David Guzik, and he had this to say. He said, we often see our Christian service as a matter of volunteering. Yet as Christians, in regard to Jesus and his church, we are not volunteers. We are slaves. We are duty-bound servants of Jesus. And faithfulness is expected of such servants. See, as I look back on my life, I, I realize that I have a debt, a debt that I can never repay, right? And if you call yourself a believer today, if you've accepted Jesus, if you accepted the cross and what he did for you there, then you have a debt that you can't pay. And I realize that in order for me to try to 
pay off that debt, even though I'll never get there, right? The Lord's called me to be faithful to whatever it is that he has for me in that season. So in this season of life, it's been to be a youth pastor. And, and I've done that, and I pray that I, I would continue to do that faithfully. And whatever it is that he's called you to right now, I pray that you would do that faithfully. I pray that you would give him all that you have. Because, man, we're in great debt to him. He gave us a hope when we had no hope. In verse 15 there of 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I had to get to the point of realizing that I'm not good. There's nothing good about me. Not one bit, not one ounce is good about me without the Lord. It's realizing that I am that chief sinner. It's realizing that it was my sin that put Jesus upon the cross. I pray that you would realize that. I pray that none of us would think that we are good in and out of ourselves. We're not. And Jesus, he, he reveals that to us, says, you are a sinner, but I died for you upon the cross so that that would be erased, so that you would accept that and so that you would live holy just as I am holy. But we continue there in 1 Timothy, and as I'm reading through 1 Timothy, I'm, I'm there at the pastor's conference and you know, I'm, I'm trying to read that in the morning and oftentimes it's mentioned throughout all the teachings that were there. And there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Lord tells me, hey, these are some qualifications for an overseer. These are some qualifications for a deacon. And in verse 4 and 5 of 1 Timothy 3, it says, One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? For those of you that don't know, um, I, I have a, a newborn baby. Her name is Grace. She's four months old. And this verse, it kind of hit me a little different reading it now. It says, for one who rules his house well, having his children in submission. See, up to now, I, had, I didn't have any children. I had, I had my youth, you know, love them like children, right? And I poured into them. But this is a different calling that he's calling me into. And then again, in, under qualifications for a deacon, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. You see, he was calling me to more. And likewise, I pray that you see that he's calling each and every one of you to more. You'd say, oh, but I serve the Lord. I, I come on Wednesdays. I, I, I go on Sundays. Sometimes I sit through two services in one day. And yet maybe the Lord's telling you, I'm calling you to more. I'm calling you to more. And you'll see that in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So turn with me to the next chapter. And again, a portion of scripture that as a youth pastor, I love this portion of scripture. A portion of scripture that I've read countless times. But the word of God is living. The word of God is for today. The word of God is for right now. And as I reread that portion of scripture that I've read a million times, 
one specific verse, it popped off to me. It, man, that, that one word specifically was like, popped off of the pages. I'm like, man, that's amazing. And I'll share with you what that is. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 through 16, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That was the word that just caught my attention. Entirely. And if we could be honest, I don't know about you, I don't always give all of myself to the Lord. Say, yeah, Friday nights, youth group, that's yours. Wednesdays, that's yours, Lord. Sundays, sure. What about Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays? What if he's calling you to more family? And I read that portion of scripture, and it says, give yourself entirely to them, to all those things that were previously mentioned, and to the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do that. But as he called me to that, I pray that you see that he's also calling our congregation, that he's also calling us. He's calling me, insert your name in there, to more. And we keep reading there in the second half of verse 15, and it says that your progress may be evident to all. Verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. Verse 12, it tells us, be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity, in word, in what you say. What we say, it carries weight. In conduct, in what you do, how you are around coworkers, how you are outside of these four walls. In love, your love for the lost, your love for God's people, your love for this church, your love for his bride, in spirit, your attitude towards the Lord, in faith, your faithfulness towards him, and in purity, that we wouldn't be dabbling in the things of this world, in our flesh, that we wouldn't fall into those things. But we see in verse 13, it says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. And all these things are centered around God's word, that man, that we would be giving attention to God's word because it is living, it is for today, it is for right now. And God, he's knocking on your door even right now. These verses, the, the word of God, I pray that it is catching your attention right now. That you realize that this is not just a textbook, that this isn't something that we go and just study in college, that this is living that this is the Lord's love letter to you. This is the Lord's love letter to me. And, and, and he has something for you today. And we see in verse 14 that it says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. And there's two thoughts here, right? That there's a gift. And the Lord, he's gifted each and every one of you with something. And then there's the idea that we could neglect it. And that's a scary thought, to think that the Lord has given you something so that you would use it to glorify his name, and maybe we're using it for the world. 
Or maybe we've said, you know what? I'm going to set this to the side. Lord, I'll give it to you later. And he's calling you right now to use it for his glory, to use it for his kingdom. Verse 15, as I welcome the worship team and the pastors to come up, it says in verse 15, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them. Entirely. You see, I've read this. I, I've read it multiple times. But when it was shared, when I, when I read it in the morning and then it was shared again, I said, wow, Lord, you're, you're trying to get my attention. And the Lord, he's a gentleman. He won't push himself on you. But he does repeat himself. And when he repeats himself, man, pay attention. He's trying to get our attention here this morning, guys. He's saying, yeah, you've, you've done X, Y, Z. You, you do these things for me. But what if I call you to more? What if I want you to do this as well? Verse 16, it says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them. For doing this will save both yourself and those who hear you. Our testimonies, they carry weight, guys. Our words, they carry weight. Continue to pray for those family members, for those friends that may even come to mind now that don't know the Lord, that aren't walking with him. Maybe those that have walked away from him. And guys, we're going to present now an open invitation. And that's to any of you who have never accepted the Lord into your life. To any of you that maybe have walked away. To any of you who have realized, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. You may be saved. You may be sure that you're going to heaven, but the Lord's called you to more. And that invitation is as follows. If you've never accepted the Lord into your life and you want to make sure that today is the day of salvation, today is the day that you look back upon and you say, the Lord got a hold of my life today. Would you raise your hand? You can raise it nice and high so that you declare it before everyone around you. And again, it's the Lord knocking and saying, I've been good to you. I've been faithful. I've, I've done these things for you. Will you answer my call? So if that's you here today, would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? The Lord loves you. He cares for you. He's calling you. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you get to say, I am a child of God. Anybody else? And the second invitation is to any of us that have been walking with the Lord. 
Maybe you come on Wednesdays. Maybe you're here on Sundays. Maybe you're even serving. But he's calling you to more. He's calling you to give yourself entirely to him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And again, I welcome the pastors to come up. And uh, as we sing a couple songs of worship, know that we're available to pray with you. Man, if, if today is a day that you gave your life to the Lord, if today you rededicated your life to the Lord and you say, I want to give him all that I am, would you come up and pray with us? Would you do that? The Lord, he loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for you. He's gifted you, and he wants to use you. So we'll sing a couple songs of worship. I'll come back up. We'll pray, and we'll be dismissed.
Light the past before me, cause you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and I'll go 